You don't have to love football as I do. You certainly don't need to love Real Madrid. You don't have to, but you'd be a fool not to marvel at the prowess of the 22-year-old Brazilian ace Vinicius Jr. as he tears down the wing, cutting through defences at every level, playing for Real Madrid in the Spanish Premier League. But you'd have to be, if you were still alive, a human being with sentient feelings, disgusted at what happened to him at the weekend in the Spanish city of Valencia. He's a black player, a brilliant black player. Anyone would be privileged to have seen him play in his pump, even if it was your team's defense that he was ripping through. But tens of thousands, not a tiny minority, not a group of malevolent malcontents, but virtually the entire crowd of supporters at Valencia on Sunday chanted monkey noises throughout the entire game. The manager of Real Madrid tried to get the game stopped. So noxious, vicious, incredible, virulent was the racist chanting against Vinicius Jr. throughout that game. The referee didn't stop the game. He didn't even give a red card to the man who caught Vinicius in a headlock in a picture that will live forever. He sent off Vinicius himself, that's right, the victim of tens of thousands of grown men chanting monkey noises was the only person red carded in the game. Of course, there is much fluttering in the dovecots of the football establishment. They have spent a fortune promoting respect, respect for people's difference. They have done nothing to force the authorities in Spain to stop what has now been two seasons long of systematic monkey chanting at a 22-year-old boy earning his living, entertaining millions as a brilliant young footballer. Why do I dwell upon it? Well, because nothing like that could ever happen in an English football stadium. And why am I making that point? Because we were told by the supporters of the European Union that we needed the Europeans to civilize us. That if we in Britain did not have these chains which bound us to the European Union, we would sink beneath a wave of racism. We would trash every civilized value. We were like Norsemen in the woods painting our faces blue and only the civilized Europeans could save us from that fate. But the truth is rather different. When Joseph Borrell, the Spanish politician who doubles as the European Union's foreign minister, told us that Europe was a garden and outside of it was a jungle, 
and that jungle might invade the garden. I myself was profoundly affected, though I am, of course, a European and glad to be so. I marvel at European culture. I marvel at European achievement. I marvel at some of European history. I love that continent. But it ain't no garden, bruv. As a matter of fact, the political class in country after country across the European Union has reduced their own cities to jungles. Take a look around if you don't believe me. I have been in seven European capitals in the last seven months, and every single one of them has fallen or is in the process of falling. Mass poverty stalks these lands. Racism stalks these lands as a result of the displacement of masses of people from the jungle countries, as Borrell would have it, by our wars, our bombardments, our regime change operations, our destabilization and impoverishment, deliberate impoverishment of countries in the developing world, we have unleashed a tidal wave of mass movements of people who are now settling or trying to in European countries, in European capital cities, in big conurbations right across the continent. And the result is the kind of poisonous, noxious racism that we saw in Spain last Sunday. I have heard nothing from Borrell after the events in his home country. I don't expect to, because the truth is we have a political class in Europe that is committing national suicide, is committing European suicide. We blew the doors off Libya, through which many of these people, desperate people, are having to take to the waves of the Mediterranean. We continue to fuel wars everywhere. We continue to pick sides in civil conflicts and arm them and build the conflagrations. We continue to destabilize the rest of the world for our own selfish purposes. And then we wonder at the consequences when they arrive on our shores. It is a remarkable thing as Robert Burns, my national poet, put it, the greatest gift that God would give us would be to see ourselves as others see us. I watched again, mouth open, at the interview of the BBC's Stephen Sacker with the Secretary General of the ruling African National Congress of South Africa, on BBC World Television just the other day. I just watched the highlights, the clips of that interview. In it, you could see in microcosm our problem, our British problem, our European 
problem. Sako, a supercilious, sneering, arrogant, overpaid oaf, puts to the Secretary General as an accusation that South Africa is not joining the garden in shunning, sanctioning, and otherwise ostracizing the Russian Federation, a Russian Federation which gave the ANC everything that they needed to overthrow apartheid, free Mandela, and become a dignified country for the first time. Why, Asako, are you supporting Russia when it is committing these war crimes in Ukraine? The ANC Secretary General cackled his contempt in the words of the great Glenn Greenwald, the Brazil-based journalist extraordinaire, cackled his contempt at this question from the BBC. What about your wars, your invasions, your occupations? What about what you did in Libya, in Afghanistan, in Iraq? Have you arrested any of the people who committed those crimes? The BBC man was visibly shocked, and that is the nub of my point. They simply cannot see themselves as others see them. Borrell cannot see how calling the rest of the world a jungle and his own country a garden is so profoundly, deeply offensive as well as being comprehensively wrong. Amy Klobuchar, a US senator for Minnesota, today tweeted a picture of ruined buildings in Bakhmut and described it in two words, pure evil. The senator for Minnesota, I used to know, I never thought they could get a worse senator, but Amy Klobuchar is clearly one of them. If she thinks ruined buildings in Bakhmut are pure evil, then she doesn't know many things. For example, wait till she sees, as Caleb Mopan put it tonight, the results of Ukrainian bombardment of women and children and civilians for eight whole years from 2014 until the start of the Russian-Ukrainian war. Wait till she sees, maybe she's too young, I've never heard of her myself, to see the results of shock and awe that the United States and the United Kingdom visited on the capital city of Iraq, Baghdad, just 20 years ago. Wait till she sees what NATO did to Belgrade for almost 90 days of constant bombardment of a European capital. Wait till she sees what Israel did to Beirut. Wait till she sees what the coalition armed to the teeth by NATO did against the people of Yemen. Wait till she sees what pure evil looks like. Because the buildings in Bakhmut 
had been evacuated of all the civilians. These buildings were filled with Ukrainian soldiers. Throughout this, the longest war, the longest battle, rather, of the 21st century. There were no civilians in these ruined buildings, but there were hundreds of thousands of civilians killed by the United States and the United Kingdom and by France and by other NATO countries in the wars that they launched, illegal wars, unprovoked wars, wars without a shred of credibility once the lies that fueled them were unmasked, even for the most stupid Amy Klobuchar's in our political class. It is the inability of our leaders, not just to see how others see them, but to see the road down which we are marching. And here I turn to the putative next General Secretary of NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, seeking to open an office in Japan, that well-known North Atlantic outpost. Ben Wallace, with his peculiar, ancient hatred of Russia, coming from his own regiment, charge of the Light Brigade at Balaclava in the Crimean War more than 150 years ago. This ancient hatred of Russia is a particularly, peculiarly British thing. That's why the Wall Street Journal, of all places, highlighted today the difference between the US and the UK in this conflict. According to the Wall Street Journal, the United States is far more careful than the United Kingdom, which it describes as reckless in its conduct, in close proximity to the front line. According to the Wall Street Journal, Britain's special air service, its special boat service, its spooky secret soldiers from MI6 are operating close to the front line. Who knows, maybe they were even involved in the very nasty, short, brutish incursion by Ukrainian terrorists in American armored vehicles that invaded Russia briefly this week and murdered civilians in their homes and in their cars. What an act of war. What an act of valiant soldiery to sneak in and murder civilians, thinking you were safe in your American armored vehicle. 70 of them. I hope all 70 of them were killed by the Russian forces once the surprise element had been lost. Well, the British involved in this crime, the Americans say they definitely won't, were not. The British care not that they are dragging Europe 
into the conflagration which might end in Russian use of nuclear weapons. Russia has repeatedly warned on this, and its warnings have been ignored. Perhaps the British think the Russians are bluffing. I am perfectly certain that they are not. I posted a meme today, thanks to the person who made it, of Zelensky in an embrace with the diminutive dwarfish thief Rishi Sunak. The words underneath the pictures are, my people are tired, they're cold, they're hungry. And Zelensky says, I'm very sorry to hear that, Mr. Sunak, but please give me some more money. Our governments, who are presiding over collapsing economies, mass poverty in their lands, destruction of the social and cultural infrastructure in their countries. Our leaders are handing over billions and billions of euros and pounds to Zelensky while their own people are lying distressed on the floor. Just think about that. You'll have plenty of time to respond to it in the course of the next hour and 40 minutes. So, as I said, fasten your seatbelts. It's the mother of all talk shows.